going to be reading Genesis chapter 4, the first eight verses, and they're on the screen and on the sheet. I can't give you a page number. So Genesis chapter 4. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Well, thanks, Steve. Good evening, everyone. Uh, If you haven't met me before, my name is Tom, and uh, I'll be helping us to think about this passage tonight. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Loving Father, we pray that tonight you would soften our hearts, you would open our eyes uh, so that we might hear and see, turn, believe, and be saved. And we ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, the question that we're asking tonight is, are you fighting your sin? Um, If you haven't met me before, I'm from Australia, I came here a year ago, and uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but before coming to Australia, pretty much uh, the only picture I had of England came from three TV shows, great shows, Downton Abbey, uh, Escape to the Country, and Midsummer Murders. And I've got to say, it's not a bad preparation for Little Shelford, when you think about it, It's, it's... pretty spot on. I love those shows. And, and I particularly like Midsummer Murders. Uh, I like shows like uh, that. If you haven't heard it before, I'll tell you about it. Uh, it's sort of part of that classic crime genre, uh, you know, set against the backdrop of the pleasant countryside. All this bad stuff is happening under, underneath. And so, you know, the, the doctor's wife is really having an affair with the local business leader who's embezzling funds from the company and his daughter's mixed up in drugs and her friends find a body in the river. And, you know, all this sort of evil lurking underneath. And that's the whole idea of the genre, really, that behind this facade of gentle, quiet British country life where everyone's so nice, everyone's so polite, there's actually lurking this dark evil. And I think living in a place like Little Shelford, uh, we might forget this. I mean, being here a year, I've got to say, it's a lovely place to live. Everything is so pretty and everyone is so polite. It's incredible. And it, it can be hard to imagine that anything really evil might be happening here. 
You know, maybe in London, where there's like stabbings almost every night. Yeah, sure, there's evil there, but not here. You know, not in nice Little Shelford. I mean, even the name, Little Shelford, it's so pleasant, isn't it? You know, we live in the Shire. We don't live in Mordor. And yet, our passage this evening will show that actually Midsummer Murders is onto something. That there is actually something lurking, uh, lurking beneath the surface, just waiting to pounce. And of course, what that is, is our sin. And Genesis 4 shows us how disastrous it is to not notice this and to not do anything about it. Uh, so tonight we're starting, as uh, Simon mentioned, we're starting a new series um, looking at Genesis 4 to 11. Uh, it's a series I like to call Life Outside the Garden, or if you're more literary inclined, East of Eden. Uh, and we're going to be looking at these chapters, and the whole point of Genesis chapter 4 to 11 is to show us what the world is like now. Okay, so in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, which is right at the start of the Bible, that shows you what the world was meant to be like. You know, what a, what a perfect world looks like when God first made the world. Genesis 4 to 11 shows you what the world is like now, when it is far from perfect. And Genesis 3 helps us to understand why. And that is because of sin. Because sin has entered into the world. And now that sin has in, entered into the world, now that we've rejected God We've been cast out of this perfect place and out of God's presence. Now we live in a world of sin. And Genesis 4 to 11 helps us to understand what this world looks like and how we should be living in this world. And so tonight we're going to start with one of the most basic things, and that is how do we respond to sin? Uh, So we're going to learn two things from our passage tonight. Uh, The first is that we need to find our sin And the second is that we need to fight our sin, okay? Find our sin, fight our sin. Let's have a look at the first one. We need to find our sin. And the first thing that we're going to see is that our sin is actually inside of us. Uh, So have a look at the passage uh, on the handout or in your Bibles. Uh, And let me just read to you um, uh, that first part again. Then uh, the Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. Sorry, we'll start from verse 4. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Then, of course, we see that Cain ignores God's advice and he goes off and kills his brother. But the point that we need to make sure we don't miss is not just that Cain murdered his brother, but that Cain sinned long before he murdered his brother. That actually the problem with Cain existed before he killed his brother. The problem actually existed right at the start with his attitude to God. We're told that he fails to honour God. He fails to worship God in the way that God wanted. We don't know exactly what it was that he did wrong, but we know that this was a failure to worship God, a failure to honour God. And that leads him to be angry and jealous of his brother because his brother is accepted. And so it starts first with his attitude toward God and then it, starts, and then it leads on to his attitude towards his brother and he's filled with anger and he's filled with hate towards his brother. And God warns him. God says, look, you need to be careful because sin is crouching at the door waiting to devour you. 
Now, the picture that God gives us of sin here is like a lion. Do you ever watch those nature shows where the lion is in the grass just waiting, just waiting, just waiting, waits for so long, and then bam, it goes for him and just melts. I really like those shows. He just sort of, you know, destroys the, the deer or whatever it's trying to eat. Uh, sorry, it's a bit sick, isn't it? But there you go. That's what, that's what lions do, and that's what sin is like. And I think our experience of sin will testify to that. Have you ever thought about it? You, you don't really start the day thinking about all the sins that you're going to do that day. You know, you think, you know what? I'm going to be really mean to my mum this morning, or I'm, I'm going to just be really nasty to my wife. And then when I go to work, I'm going to just really, really put off all my workmates and say something really outrageous that just makes them hate me. Or, or I'm going to be really mean to that girl at school. I'm just going to tease her and make her life miserable just because, you know, that's me. And then I'll go home and I won't do what I meant to do and I'll just, you know, be really horrible to everyone that night. No one actually plans their day that way. Or like, I mean, if you do, come and talk to me because that's seriously wrong. But no, not many people do that, right? Not many people plan their day that way. And that's not how sin works most of the time. Sin is lurking deep within us and just waiting for us to pounce. So, you know, we're tired in the morning, we're not really thinking straight, and then mum says something that's really annoying. And so we just say something. We are thinking, sin, bam, it pounces. Well, you know, we're at work, and, you know, someone who just really annoys us every day, and we don't really like them, and they just, you know, they, they, they just get on our nerves, and so we just snap at them. And we don't, we don't plan it, but it's inside of us, and just before we know it, bang, it devours us, it pounces. And the point that this passage is making is that sin actually exists deep down inside of us. It's one of the differences between Genesis 3 and Genesis 4. Think about it. If you know Genesis 3, where was the threat? Where was the temptation? It was outside of Adam and Eve, in the snake. And yet now that we come to Genesis 4, now that sin has entered into the world, where is the temptation lurking? Well, the snake is still there. The temptation still comes from the devil, but now also it comes from within. It is inside of us, tempting us, to do what God says not to do. And this is consistently what the Bible says, that sin is inside of us. And so Jesus, he's talking to a bunch of religious people who are really big on washing their hands. They, they really want, kind of like now, hey, they really want to be ceremonially clean. Okay? They, they want to make sure that they're clean on the outside because they think that's what makes them acceptable to God. And Jesus says, look, you can wash yourself on the outside as much as you like. It's not going to do anything because the real problem is on the inside. And so Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside a person and defile a person. So the problem's not out there, the problem's in here. Our sin is inside of us. And so this is the first thing we need to understand. Cain sinned a long time before he murdered his brother. It began in his heart with his attitude toward God and then in his heart in his anger and hatred toward his brother. And it spilled out of him in his actions as he murders his brother. Now, this is important for us to understand, not just in understanding ourselves and how we act, but understanding our world and why it is the way it is today. Uh, we are in the grips of a social revolution at the moment. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the Black Lives Matter movement that is going on, not just in America, but globally now. And that really is part of a much bigger movement uh, that is demanding justice 
in a world where people really do see sin. Right? We see the sin in our world. We see the injustice in our world. And people are fed up with it. And they're demanding justice. They want justice against those who would oppress others. Justice against those who would put others down. Justice against those who would murder others. People are crying out for justice. Now, I wonder what your reaction has been to the, the Black Lives Matter movement and this sort of broader call for justice at the moment. I think there's been kind of, as there usually is, one of two reactions. Uh, the first is to sort of wholeheartedly agree and be on board and say, yes, I'm all for this crusade. And the second is to be reactionary and to say, oh, pff, you know, they're all just getting carried away. Things aren't that bad. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. But what does the Bible, and in particular, what does this passage say about how we should respond? Well, I think, first of all, the Bible should help us to understand that there is injustice in the world and that a lot of what is being said is true because we are all sinners. Of course there is injustice in the world. Of course there is sin in the world. And so it shouldn't surprise us that we could all have racist tendencies or that we could, all, um, we could all let that spill out and that we could be racist toward other people because this is the sad, sinful world that we live in. Sin is inside of us, it comes out of us. So it shouldn't surprise us when people point out the evils in our world and we should definitely not be trying to say, no, those evils don't exist because the Bible tells us they do exist. Sin is real. But I would say that the difference between what Genesis 4 is teaching and what, say, the Black Lives Matter movement is teaching is identifying where the problem is located. You see, the, the Black Lives Matter movement says that the problem exists in systems. Okay, so we have a racist heritage. Our past is racist. We have racist institutions, sort of the, you know, all the, all the sort of long-held institutions in our culture are racist. Racism is systemic, and so what do we need to do? We need to get rid of the system. If we, can, if we can break down the system and start a new system, start a new society, then we will actually be able to get somewhere. But as long as the system, as long as the heritage, as long as the institutions remain, well, then racism is going to remain. And that's why people are toppling down statues, because we're trying to get rid of the system, because the system is what's causing racism. But what does Genesis 4 say? Well, Genesis 4 says, well, actually, the problem goes even deeper than that. It may well be that our systems are inherently racist, but the problem goes deeper than our systems to our sin. The problem isn't just out there. The problem is in here, in the hearts of every single person. And you can knock down as many statues as you want, but it won't deal with the real root problem of our hearts. And as long as there is sin in our hearts, there will be sin in the world and there'll be racism. And so as Christians, yes, we should always care for the oppressed and we should always call for justice and act on that. We should be 100% against racism, especially when we see it in our own heart or our own community. But don't be deluded into thinking that if you could get rid of a system you could get rid of sin. Because no matter what, if the problem is still in here, it will still be out there. And so that's the first thing that I want us to see. We need to find our sin. And Genesis 4 is very clear. Sin is in here. It is in our hearts. And so the question then is, well, okay, what do we do? What do we do about our sin? 
And God is very clear in the advice, or the command, I guess you should say, that he gives to Cain. Have a look at verse 6 again. This is sort of our key verse for tonight. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. What is it that God tells Cain to do? He says you must fight your sin. Sin wants to be in control of you. It wants to be in charge. Don't let it. Be in charge of it and fight your sin. That's what God is saying. And this is the consistent message of the Bible as well. That even though sin is inside of us, that doesn't make it okay. That you are actually meant to resist your sin, not give in to your sin. And this is a very different message uh, to the world today, isn't it? Because God says what is deep down inside of you is bad, resist it, fight it, master it. What does the world say? Well, the world says what is deep down inside of you is good. Accept it, embrace it, act on it, celebrate it. Um, Over the summer holidays, uh, we subscribe to Disney Plus for our kids We've got three kids under six, and uh, this was our strategy for getting through summer. And um, my three-year-old daughter, because we had Disney Plus, uh, watched for the first time Frozen. Uh, Up until that time, I'd successfully quarantined her from that movie, um, but no more. Now she has seen it, she knows the songs, she has the stickers, she even has Frozen sandals, and she loves all things Frozen. She's not here tonight, so I can say she's even getting some Frozen Lego for her birthday. She's very into Frozen. She loves it. Now, if you haven't seen it before, I'm sure you've at least heard the song, the iconic song, Let It Go. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Not allowed. So I'm not going to sing it right now. But let me read to you some of the lyrics. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go. See, what is this movie essentially about? It's about letting go who you really are inside. Being who you truly are. That is the song and that is the age that we live in, isn't it? That is the philosophy of our age. You need to be true to yourself. And who you really are is actually inside of you, desperately trying to get out and and express itself. But because you worry about other people and what they say, you're always trying to hide who you are. But don't do that. Actually, let out who you are. Let it go. That's the message of our age. Now, on the one hand, I think this is actually trying to say something really important that Christians should agree with, and that is that no matter who somebody is, we should love them and accept them for who they are. We should never hate people or be horrible to people just because of of the things that they've done uh, or, or, or because of the way that they are. In fact, Jesus is a wonderful example of how he loves everybody regardless of who they are. It's a very Christian idea. But the Bible goes in a different direction to the world here. See, the Bible says we should love everybody in spite of the fact that they are sinners. Whereas the world says we should love everybody and accept everybody because there is nothing wrong with them in the first place. Because deep down, they are fine. And you should just be true to yourself. And so whatever's inside of you, let it go. Now, 
if what Genesis 4 is saying is true, and deep down inside of ourselves we are sinners, what happens when we live in a world that says, let it go? We just let all of our sin go. We let it out and we think, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with it because it's who I am. And the first person in the history of the world to let it go murdered his brother. And so we need to understand that God says, no, don't accept the sin inside of you. You are not meant to do that. Find your sin, it's inside of you. Fight your sin. Resist it. Okay, so what should we take away from this? How do we do that? How do we fight our sin? And the first thing that we need to understand is that the Bible says, left to yourselves, you can't. It is not possible for you, on your own, to fight your sin. Because we are all like Cain. Just look at what Cain did. Sin dominated. Sin took over and ruled over Cain. And this is what sin has done to all of us. This is what we have let sin do to us. To use the words of the prayer book, we are all miserable sinners. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 8, whoever sins is a slave to sin. I really like that logic. Just think about it for a second. If you think you're in control of sin, just stop doing it. Give it a go. See if you can go a week, a day, an hour. You can't. Why? Slave to sin. If you were in control, you would be able to stop it. But you can't, so you're not. Sin is your master. Left to ourselves, sin rules over us. And it's important that we understand that because it means that we shouldn't just simply try harder. That is not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible isn't, look, you've just got to work harder, pick up, your, pick up your socks, lift up your socks, sorry, and just, you know, work hard at this. Stop sinning. That's not the message of the Bible. Because you can't. What we need is a saviour. We need to be rescued. We need to be redeemed from this slavery. And this is the wonderful message of the gospel, that Jesus came to save us from our sin by dying on the cross and taking the punishment that we deserve. Now, next week, we're going to look more at that and trying to understand what it was that Christ did when he died on the cross as we look at the second half of Genesis 4. But for now, let me say that if you are someone who hasn't put their trust in Jesus yet, Trying hard is not going to do it. You need Jesus to save you from your sin, to rescue you. But if you are someone who has put their trust in Jesus, then you also need to understand that Jesus now calls on you to fight your sin. Because once Jesus rescues you from your sin, sin is not in charge anymore. Jesus is. He is in charge. He is your master. And so he says, sin is not your boss anymore. Stop showing up for work. I'm your boss. Start following me. And so in Romans 6, Paul says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. It's the same thing that God says to Cain in Genesis 4. Sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. If you trust in Jesus and you have been forgiven of your sin, then the call to you now is to fight your sin. Don't let it rule over you because it's not in charge anymore. Jesus is. Live for him instead. So, fight your sin. 
Let me just say two quick, more, uh, two more things, just very quickly about that. First of all, I think there are, there is someone here, or there will be some people here who will be very discouraged when they hear this because they are losing significantly in this fight right now. Okay, you're really struggling, and you have a particularly tender conscience, and so you think that because. I'm fighting my sin because I'm struggling with my sin. That must mean I'm not really a Christian. If I was really a Christian, I'd be on top of this. I'd be fighting my sin. There'd be no worries. And if that's you, you need to understand that, no, the Christian life is all about the fight. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're on top of sin and you'll never sin. Being a Christian means that you fight sin now. And so if you feel like this is a struggle, good. It's meant to be a struggle. It's meant to be a fight. And the reason is, is because we still have bodies where sin is inside of us. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he took away the penalty for sin, but he hasn't yet taken away the presence of sin. Sin is still in us. And that's why it's a struggle, because now the Holy Spirit lives in us as well, and so there's a real fight. There's a fight going on inside of us. And so please don't be discouraged if you struggle. Because that is the norm. I struggle. Simon struggles. We all struggle with sin. It is a fight. But can I also say, and perhaps this is to someone else here tonight who needs to hear this, don't give up on the fight. Because I think sometimes as Christians, particularly as we go on in our Christian life, we can sometimes feel, well... I've been trying for a while to resist this sin. hasn't worked, so I guess I'll just have to live with it and deal with it, and that's who I am. Maybe it's been years, even decades, since you've tried to fight sin, and your heart has become almost completely hardened to it, so you actually don't even think it's that big a deal anymore. And if that is you, then you need to hear that you have been forgiven by Christ And you now belong to him. He is your master, not sin. Sin does not rule over you. And so you are to fight your sin. It's time to get up off the mat and to dust yourself off and to get back in the fight. Walk by the Spirit. Offer your body to God as an instrument of righteousness and not wickedness. Let's pray. Loving Father, we come before you as sinners. We come before you as those with sin inside of them. And yet in your grace and mercy, you sent your son to die for us, to liberate us from sin. We pray, Lord, that you would now help us by your spirit to fight our sin and to serve your son. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.